1: It's time for a deep south legend that's been keeping it real here in Atlanta for over two decades. It's the Buck Baloo Show, only on The Fan.
2: Yeah, it is the Buck Baloo Show. I don't know if I'm a legend, but I'm happy to be sitting in for Buck this week. Mike Morgan with you here. Buck Baloo is on a much-deserved vacation for this one-hour extravaganza that is the Buck Baloo Show. I gotta be honest with you, uh, I've hosted two-hour shows, three-hour shows, four-hour shows in my uh, somewhat illustrious career. I've never done a one-hour show. It's a lot of pressure. I'm going to need a bigger boat. I got a lot of stuff to get off my chest, and I don't know how I'm going to do it in 60
1: minutes, but I'm going to try. Well, it's not even 60 minutes. It usually boils down to about 40. Yeah. So you better start getting ready. I I just (laughs) got to get right to the point. You were feeling Buck's pain out there before the show and uh, understand some of his... uh, issues that he has to deal with on a daily basis
2: yeah you know uh for those that don't know uh when i'm not doing some radio stuff and and hosting a college football podcast jc and morgan for those of you that want to give it a listen um, i'm doing a lot of tv for espn and the sec network more on that in the moment i'm sure that'll come up when once i give my take on what happened with the final four but uh yeah this is this is we do a lot of readers and tv We just usually have more than an hour to get them in. But it's a popular show, I understand. You folks out there, you can stay connected to all the latest news and your favorite fan shows on the Fan App, sponsored by Beaver Direct. Beaver Direct, the fastest and easiest way to shop online for your next vehicle. Visit BeaverToyotaOfComing.com and see what wow wow really does mean. Download the Fan App now and the Apple App and Google Play stores. All right, so we do have a lot to get to, and so I'm not going to... Go all around the universe like I'd like to because there's so, I mean, this time of year is so good. I I, I know what it's like to host a sports talk show in July. It's not always fun to fill four hours in July. This time of year, there's just so much going on and so much great stuff. And of course, we will get to some of that with uh, Tim Brando. Tim and I go back a ways, and Tim is, uh, to me, one of the best college football minds out there was with ESPN for years, was with CBS for years. Now he's with Fox and he always has opinions. I know, honestly, I don't know what he's going to say, guys. I just know we're probably going to disagree with each other because while we do agree on a lot, we disagree on a lot. But here's the thing. We're not going to yell and scream at one another. It's not what Tim and I do. It's all about mutual respect. Everybody's got a take. So with that being said, let me give you mine on what happened yesterday. And I mentioned the... uh, Oh, yeah, let's do that. Let's open Buck's Big Take. Buck's Big Take. Courtesy of Mike. Um, As I mentioned, I I do a college football podcast each and every week, and normally we do it on Monday morning, and this time we did it on Sunday starting at 1130 because it was Selection Sunday, and we knew the picks would be out a little after noon. So we had kind of a live reaction. It was kind of like a pregame live reaction postgame, and I will tell you who I thought it would be is who it was. And that's probably an unpopular take. And I know we've had a, a number of talking heads on television scream and furious anger with such great outrage that it was such a travesty that Florida State did not get in and Alabama did. I, there's just so much misinformation there. And, like, it's okay to disagree. Like I said at the top that if Florida State did get the four slot, I wasn't going to lose any sleep over it. I wasn't going to raise holy hell over it. I wasn't going to take to Twitter and, again— just explode with some faux outrage. I, I would have been fine with it, but the committee I know has to deal with language, and this is what gets lost sometimes in the point. It's not about the four best resumes. Nowhere does it say the four best resumes, nor does it say you have to take a power five undefeated team, regardless over a power five one loss team that just happened to win the strongest conference year by year by year. The, the language is the best four teams. And I realize that can be subjective, just like I filled out a Heisman vote uh, ballot yesterday morning. That's subjective too. But this is a little more clear cut in terms of the best four teams. I just told you what it, what it is not. What it is is the best four teams as of now, as of today, as of get, getting ready for a four-team playoff. And if you watched Florida State the last two games, my heart goes out to Jordan Travis. My heart goes out to Coach Norvell. Remember, there's a lot of people that thought Deion Sanders should be the coach. Where are you now? Uh, Clearly, Norvell has done a miraculous job after taking over the Willie Taggart debacle. Uh, My heart goes out to Seminole Nation. It really does. But clearly, when you have the second and third string quarterback... You play a woeful Florida team that had no defense all season long. You're trailing 12 nothing for much of that game. You score 14 on a Gator defense that couldn't stop anybody, and I mean nobody, good, bad, or indifferent in the SEC all year long. Then you take on Louisville. Louisville has been a great story under Coach Brom. They score 16 points, and if you watch that game, it was brutal, just brutal to watch. I don't know what was worse, watching that or watching Iowa trying to put points on the board against anybody including Michigan. So they scored 15 and 16 in their last two games, and clearly there's a major drop-off. Take it as a compliment to Jordan Travis. If you're that just outraged about it, and you can't find solace in what happened, and you just, you know, you're scratching your head over the meaning of life, take it as a mammoth compliment for Jordan Travis because clearly the quarterback is the most position, important position on the field. Nobody disputes that. He is clearly their best overall player. And without him, they're an entirely different-looking offense. Well, their defense is still great. I get it. I get their defense. The defenses are pretty good for those teams in the playoff. Have you seen Alabama play defense? Have you seen Michigan play defense? Uh, Washington's defense I don't think would, would qualify as the same, but still... They certainly deserve their way. I, I mean, look, it is a tough break, and it was an aberration and something, even with a fourteen team playoff, we probably wouldn't have seen again for another 20 years for it to shake out the way it did. Uh, it's another reason to absolutely celebrate the fact that we're moving to 12. There's still, like, believe it or not, there's seven people left on the planet that think the BCS system was the best. I don't know who they are, and I don't want to know who they are. Uh, four was a temporary solution. It was the Band-Aid, and now we're going to 12 so we can avoid anything like this again but I have no problem with Alabama, none. And you could say it's SEC bias. I mean, look, everybody has a little bit of bias when you watch a conference dominate the sport for the last 20 years. Yeah, that that is a real thing. Uh, Is it ESPN bias? I can tell you as someone who's been employed by ESPN for over a decade now, ESPN does not sit in that committee room of 13 individuals and have any sway. I'll tell you who does have sway is Greg Sankey. Greg Sankey is the one conference commissioner that people listen to. Most people couldn't tell you who the other four of the power five are. And now it's basically a power four that Klyovkov helped put on the finishing, finishing touches of the demise of the Pac-12. But when you look at it, with all due respect to Jim Phillips of the ACC, I've met Jim Phillips. He's a smart man. He's a good man. But Jim Phillips, I don't care what he would have said. It wasn't going to move the needle. But when Greg Sankey goes on game day, and where was game day? It was in Atlanta. Well, why is it in Atlanta? Because the SEC championship game is one of the best games of the year every season long. And the ACC championship game of the year is usually a dud, just as it was again on Saturday in Charlotte. So Greg Sankey is in Atlanta as the SEC commissioner, and he's on game day, and he brings up – this is one of those when you watch one of those courtroom movies, and the one an attorney, like, has that – it's that line. It's that line that sways the jury – his line was simply this. You can you can sit here and crunch numbers and you can talk about Power 5 and you can talk about this that and the other. One thing is not like the other. I didn't I didn't remember a whole lot of Sesame Street so that was a little over my head, but I did understand one thing is not like the other. The top 2 teams in the SEC are unlike the top 2 teams elsewhere. If you watch Georgia-Alabama, and I hate using the word eye test or the term eye test, but my goodness, could you not tell the difference between that and every other conference championship game you saw on Friday and Saturday? Of course you could. Of course you could. Jalen Milrow and Alabama right now are just better, okay? It, it, they're just better than Florida State. And for that matter, so too would Georgia be better than Florida State. But they sure as heck weren't going to get two SEC teams in at that particular point. But I almost felt worse for Georgia fans than I did Florida State fans when it was all said and done. All Georgia did was set an SEC record with 29 straight wins, clearly had another dominating team, and they lost by three points on a neutral field to Alabama, and they get bounced. So if you look at it, something historic was going to happen. Either you left an SEC champion out of the playoff, never happened. Either you left an undefeated Power 5 team out of the playoff, never happened. You dropped the number one team outside the top four, never happened. Select the team ranked outside the top six never happened. Well, all of a sudden, this was the year where at least one, if not more, of those was going to happen. And that's what happened. You can be outraged about it. I-, I could think of much more controversial and things that have been done wrong in the sport of college football. If you've been covering this thing at all for more than like five, ten years, and you know college football and its championship has been a flawed, incredibly flawed system for, that's why they used to call it the mythical national champion. It's been flawed most of our natural-born lives. If you want to be that outraged over this, this is not even in the top 10 of things that are just incredibly controversial over teams that get selected to the college football postseason or one versus two. And I mean, heck, but wasn't that long ago we had like Georgia playing Notre Dame who wasn't even in the top 10 for a national championship. So I, I would just say that, I had no problem with it. Uh, if you if you want to claim that there was some bi look at the third. By the way, if you want to do something funny, go read the thirteen bios of the people on that committee. There's only one with SEC ties: the Kentucky AD Mitch Barnard. The other twelve have nothing to do with the league, and certainly, you know, they're not taking money under the table to take to keep Florida stay down and put Alabama in. Nick Saban is not giving them season tickets or giving him a brand-new car from his dealership now in Jupiter, Florida, or wherever. There's, there's nothing that's mischievous about this. They had to make a tough decision. They made it. Quite frankly, I thought it was the right one. Uh, Tim Brando, I know, will have plenty of thoughts on this. He's probably going to disagree with everything I just said, and that's good. That's healthy That's robust. We won't yell and scream at each other, but we will have some fun discussing it. Also, we'll talk some Falcons football later on, some Braves as well. We'll cram it all into 60 minutes or 40 minutes here on the fastest moving hour in the history of Sports Talk Radio. It's the Buck Baloo Show.
0: This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down.
2: 19 minutes after the hour, just continuing to roll along on the Buck Blue Extravaganza. Atlanta sports fans, this one is for you. Hexhead is bringing the holiday spirit with our exclusive BOGO 50 sale, officially licensed, handcrafted metal wall art featuring your favorite Georgia sport teams, Braves, Falcons, Hawks, your national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. Not going to be able to say that this year. Sorry, DT. Sorry, Road Dog. Buy one piece and get the second 50% off. You heard that right. It's the perfect gift for the sports fan in your life. Upgrade your fan cave or give somebody the number one Christmas gift this year. Visit HexHeadArt.com. Use code BOGO50 and celebrate the season with style. That's Hexhead. Make every game a home game. Mike Morgan in for Buck Baloo. I told you we were going to go hot and heavy right off the start with some college football talk, and now a, a guy that knows it as well as anybody. Uh, I don't want to make him sound older than he is, but some of us grew up watching this man, whether it was on studio or calling games at every major network. Joining us now on the Hobson & Hobson Newsmaker line, it is Tim Brando. Timmy B., how are you? Wonderful, Mike,
3: and uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, all of that and above uh, to you this holiday season. hope you're well.
2: Uh, uh, Doing fantastic, uh, Tim. I know you are as well after uh, another a season behind the mic at Fox, and I'm sure you were like me. You were watching Selection Sunday. Uh, one of the things you and I go back a ways, I've always had great respect for your opinion, and even when we differ, it's okay. Like, that's the beauty of college football, right? So as I'm watching it, and I will tell you this, <laughs> Uh, these are the four I thought the committee would come up with. I have not checked your Twitter byline or anything else. I, I, but I, I, I haven't checked your feeds on social media. But I'm going to take a wild guess and say you had a problem with the four that were selected. The floor is yours, my friend.
3: No, you know, Mike, I really don't have a problem with the four that are selected. I, uh, my biggest problem is with the the process uh, of it, the, the corrupt process of it, the lack of transparency within it. Uh, it has been corrupt from the jump. And um, I think media fabrication that's been complicit with the lack of transparency and, in fact, influence uh, reached uh, epic proportions here. And I think it's time. And, I, and I'm and i sorry. I mean, I hate calling out uh, some of my colleagues, but I, I felt the need to do that. I, I really did. I, I I watched more of it this time because of, um, well, a couple of reasons. I knew they were in trouble. I knew that the committee was in trouble, Mm -hmm. uh, that chaos was on the way. We knew that the moment, uh, really, that um, the the, the SEC championship ended, the moment that Alabama won, they were in trouble because um, on the one hand, you could say, well, uh, well, they they they're going to get the right four for for our purposes for the games that maybe we want to see from a matchup standpoint. But when you're running the risk of not having a a 13 and 0 power five team not get in for the very first time in the history of the 10 years of the system, that's a problem. And you knew that was going to be an issue when you're trying to fit you know the square peg in a round hole. You know, five five power conferences were in play when they created this godforsaken format. Uh, the, the last paragraph, which everyone loves to go to and say, well, you know, it's in the criteria. It's in the criteria. Well, yeah, we, we, that's part of what's been the problem here is that they put in the, the, the this nebulous um, paragraph about uh, in case of key players and there are problems, the committee believes in blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera which is all basically a cover for uh, their translation really is in a private room without consequences. Uh, well, if, you know, if there's a real problem here, we'll just pick whoever we damn well please, <laughs> <laughs> you know, which makes it an invitational. Mike, uh, it's not it's not a, a, a true college football playoff, and I've said that from the jump um, because I was doing a basketball game uh, at Wisconsin, and it was uh, a relatively early game on on Saturday, uh, uh, just before noon Central Time. Uh, I watched all of game day and I watched the nearly 45 minute infomercial that commissioner Sankey had courtesy of uh, uh, my friends in Bristol at game day. And I, I-, I thought it was um, painful and pitiful to watch uh, that the- he's already the most powerful man in college football. We all know that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I have no problem with Greg taking advantage of it. Okay. I got no problem with, Commissioner Sankey working for his constituency, and he does a damn good job. That's the reason he's the most powerful man in there. But where were the tough questions? Where were the tough questions? At what point did anybody ever ask him, are you concerned with um, uh, a couple of teams that might be on the fringe here? Because there was a possibility that Georgia and Alabama could both be left out. Are you concerned that maybe only playing eight conference games instead of nine, which until the spring we all felt you might, that that might have been a difference here? Okay, if the committee goes in the other direction, that question was never asked. Okay, tough questions were never asked. The floor was given to him and he just rolled with it and he made his case. And he specifically this was a very smart move on his part. He basically was talking to the committee.
2: No question. (laughs) Directly
3: to the committee. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because that committee, that committee is watching that. They watch everything on that day. And they are going to react to it. Listen, I've had guys in my history uh, watch the halftime of the SEC championship when Spencer and I were on, and they would tell me, they transcribe what we said. <laughs>
2: so,
3: <laughs> so I know that they are watching and they are influenced by what we say. Uh, and, and I just felt that it was a little over, the, well, not a little, very over the top for the commissioner to have that much airtime to speak his his truth for his league where was jim phillips where's the balance where where where's the other commissioners where where if you're going to give that kind of time to one individual that represents um arguably the the most powerful uh, conference in america and has been for over 20 years then i think there should be some equal time just as there would be in a political race <clears throat> i didn't see it
2: no, Tim, I, I, don't dis- I don't disagree with anything you just said, but I know you will agree with me on this at least, and that is that yeah. you and I have both been proponents of an expanded playoff. The moment they got nice. to four, we knew it was going to expand. I wanted eight. Yeah. I, I know it's twelve. I know you think it's going to be sixteen sooner rather than later. And in a new TV contract, uh, I believe it will be ab- absolutely, that would that would pave the the, uh, the opening for that. But but the fact of the matter is, is that you've got three conferences that held it up an extra year. We could have had a twelve-team playoff this year. And Greg Sankey Correct. was very wise and shrewd to bring that up. Like, don't cry your tears to me when you wanted this. You, we could have had twelve this year, and you insisted no your little alliance to have four yeah. another year.
3: Well, that's exactly why uh, Phillips kept his mouth shut. I- I'm assuming. Okay, mm-hmm. so he made he made his own bed. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And uh, and, the, and look at that three that was an alliance. Uh, Warren, the commissioner's big ten, <laughs> is gone. Right, he's in the NFL. And, uh, you know, Dan Wetzel pointed out beautifully, I thought, in his column. If you haven't read it uh, on Yahoo, you should. And I do think, and this is the issue, see, Boo Kerrigan, uh, Boo Corrigan, another good guy, uh, son of Gene. Uh, and his son, Tim, of course, has been a producer. He actually started out as a broadcast associate at ESPN when I was there long, long ago in the Ice Age. Uh, I've known the Corrigan family for a long time. Boo, unfortunately, was he lacked transparency, too. Just say what was really going on in that room, all right? Here's the deal. If Georgia had beaten I – mean, just say it. If Georgia had beaten Alabama, Georgia would have gone in and Florida State would have been the fourth team. Mm-hmm. Now, just say it. You could not take Alabama without taking Texas.
2: Totally agree. Period. Totally
3: agree. End of story. Just say it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just tell us the damn I don't truth, think Boo made a cogent right?
2: point the entire – Time he was no. on Mike, I mean, no. he had what 12 of these things or whatever, and, and never yeah. made any point that was meaningful. And I realize it's a thankless no. job, but give us something to chew on.
3: Oh, they all go to the, the Bill Hancock School of Obvious. Right. And, and, and don't tell us anything. Right. Okay. In a very congenial, with a smile on your face style, don't tell us Jack Blank. Okay. And that's, that's alri- always been a problem. They should have always had access to the media. Uh, I mean, let's face it, uh, whether it's uh, ESPN that's paying all the freight or several networks that could be paying the freight in the future, that would be the case. Now, the other thing that really got old for me was, uh, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the panelists on the show, on the selection show, were just all in. It was like no problem. Uh, I heard Greg McElroy three days earlier say the sanctity of the sport rested on the fact that Florida State should be in. Three days later, sitting next to Kirk Kerb Street, he was not going to go against Kirk. Kirk was not going to have any debate from anyone there other than who, Booger McFarland, right? Who does what more NFL than he does college?
2: And, and call it a All travesty, and yeah. Oh yeah.
3: No. The only the only guys that offered any uh, um, <laughs> any dispute to oh well you had to go with Alabama was, was Booger, and then later Dan Mullen, to his credit, said something. That was about two and a half hours later. Listen, the bottom line is I want to hear what's really on the minds of people, and not and not see guys that are clearly getting their marching orders and rolling with it. and And that's that's the way it looked. That's the way it appeared. And I'm going to say it. That's fair. Florida State because Florida State's kids and that coaching staff deserve better. And listen, I I have the utmost respect uh, for all those men that were on that set, and certainly Kirk Kerb Street who's done an incredible job with his career to get where he is to be the most influential voice in college football uh, at the worldwide leader. I have a tremendous respect for him, but he must've questioned himself a little because he had to go to social media and uh, give an impassioned, sort of saddened, gosh, I feel really bad for you, Florida state fans and those Florida state players in the aftermath of ballyhooing why Alabama should have been in uh, after the show. Um, <sighs> If you, if you really if you really believe in what you say, Mike, say it, get it over with, and don't worry about what the fans think or the players think. i long since forgotten about how many people I pissed off giving an opinion.
2: <laughs> and probably a few more in this segment alone. That's the beauty of, again, college football. Right. Whenever you give an you know, opinion, just, yeah. you're going polarize, to polarize people. In a lot of yeah. ways, you could say the winner was college football because, Tim, you and I are in agreement. The, the national carnival barking talking heads uh-huh. every Monday yeah. during college football, it's ninety nine percent NFL. It's like college football doesn't even exist, and all yeah. of a sudden, because of this controversy, they all had to. They all felt like they were obligated to give a hot take over a sport that they ignored for the better part of four months. Well, and everybody happened. spent time on it do- yesterday. So you could say college football kind of won in that regard in terms of exposure, if nothing else.
3: Yeah. And 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 uh, uh, pardon my quote unquote take, okay here, but if
2: if (laughs) pardon your first take,
3: (laughs) my pardon my whatever take, okay, I'm not uh, rerunning what uh, Chris Russo and and Stephen A have to say about college football. No no disrespect intended, but I don't know that they watch maybe one one millionth of college football compared to you or me, okay. Mm -hmm. So I really don't care what they have to say. But to speak of Carnival Barking, you're correct. Whether it's uh, FS1 or ESPN, how much college football is covered on a daily basis? So how many people really do know what the process is until we get to that point? So you can throw up these metrics. And this is where uh, the SEC has always kicked everybody else's rear end. They know the metrics are on their side. That's why they only play eight games. That's why they get away with FCS games and, um, and, and group of five games in late November because they know their conference is strong enough that the metrics will support them. Listen, Florida State played LSU in a non-conference game and they played them and beat them badly in the second half. Won the game going away. Alabama played Texas at home and lost by double digits in the fourth quarter. They led 16 to 13 starting fourth, lost that game. Okay, so Florida State did all that it could do was 13 and 0 and they were treated like a rag doll. They were treating they were treating them the committee was treating them as though they were Cincinnati. And oh, by the way, let's forget the fact that TCU beat Michigan to get to last year's championship. Let's roll out 65 to 7 over and over again. That's where I do have a, a problem no, with the uh, commissioner. Webby, and, he held that over everybody. It was 65 <laughs> to 7. You know, it was six. Yeah, but you know what? Michigan did lose the game before. So not, let's not bury sure. a team because they're not one of the pure playoff privilege and one of the great brands of the game. And that's where I do have an issue with what the commissioner had to Un- say. Understandable. And that, and that stuff goes on, Mike, ad nauseum, and no one r- uh, raises a hand to say, wait a minute, hang on here a second. Did they not go 13-0? and Are they not a Power 5 conference? And how can you justify this? Give me more. How about some transparency? And all they had to do was just man up, okay, and say to me, you know what, if Georgia had beaten Alabama – Florida State what have gotten in, got in. And this conversation would be about Texas being pissed that they didn't get in, and that would have been because Georgia won and Alabama didn't. Yeah, there, I okay, think we both agree. That.
2: There's no way you could, say you could have put in Bama over Texas. I said that leading up to it. If anybody wanted to accuse me of SEC bias, I told you point blank. You <laughs> cannot put Bama in over Texas. Uh, Correct. And by the way, quick reset. Tim Brando joining us here. Mike Morgan in for Buck Blue. It is 680, the fan the Buck Blue Show. All right. You you've mentioned a number of valuable points, and I know your your issues with the coverage. I know your issues with the committee. Uh I, I actually I did a deep dive on who the thirteen committee members were. I had to like look at some of these resumes. I'm like, seriously, this is this is part of the, the equation of who, yeah. who gets to pick. But one thing we can't gloss over, Tim, if we're going to talk about this. I don't think it was a true apples to apples, okay, who's who's got the better resume. Uh, Alabama or Florida State. If we're being honest, and the language is the best four teams, this is truly. And you and I cover college basketball as well. When, it's not as it's not as consequential. But let's say a Syracuse twenty years ago, Carmelo Anthony tears up his knee in the Big East tournament. They're not going to have the same seating going in. This is clearly based on Jordan Travis being out, a Heisman Trophy right. candidate quarterback, two kids that looked beyond raw against Florida and Louisville where they struggled to win, a a bad Florida team where they put 15 on the board and a not very good Louisville team where they put 16 on the board. That's where this comes down. I mean, I'm okay with the argument. You want to say Florida State deserved it, but we can't be dishonest and overlook the main reason why. If Jordan Travis is still healthy, I don't have any question that Florida State would get in, but he's not, and that
3: that gave the opening. Well, sure, Mike, but but, uh, if Michigan loses J.J. McCarthy if Jalen Nillrow is lost by Alabama uh, on the
2: day that the championships play, do you think that the the same thing would have happened? That this wasn't the day the championship game was played. This was two weeks. We got to see two weeks of sample size of what FSU looked like without Travis.
3: Okay. All right. So why didn't they drop them earlier? Why didn't they move them to eight immediately? See, the committee did this to themselves. They do it over and over again. They they, they and why are they ranked ahead of Georgia now? For Christ's sakes,
1: it's a joke. <laughs> That's okay, for so them to be,
3: because we want to set up a glorified exhibition That's where right. half the, the really good players are going to opt out and not play but we're going to put it on Florida State that they have to, to, to maul Georgia to prove their point that the committee got it wrong? What a joke. <laughs> and even throw that out, which, by the way, was thrown out on that set, on the selection show, I wanted to regurgitate. Yes. Okay? I wanted to regurgitate. Let's stop with this, okay? Let's just be honest, let's be transparent, and let's say what the deal really is. The truth of the matter is, if you're a brand, if you're Alabama, if you're Ohio State, if you're Georgia, okay, now Georgia didn't get a break because they lost the last game and they had a pitiful non conference schedule. That's why they didn't get in. Now, if you want to say they got screwed too, yeah, all right, we mm-hmm. can talk about that. But you knew going in that there was going to be a problem with all these teams where they were. Of course. Especially, yeah, you, know, you know, Michigan and Washington have sewn places up that we, we, they had, all right, that's why they didn't get in. But the reality of these circumstances is the lack of transparency, the dishonesty, and without question, brand matters. This has been an invitational for brands since the beginning, and I've called it out for what the hell it is, a godforsaken invitational that has been the bane of our existence covering college football, <laughs> a sport we both love and always gets it wrong every year at the bitter end. There's always something wrong with the process. I've got no issue with the four teams that are in. Listen, I understand. And this is the other thing, too. It's gotten even worse now with those of us in the media, many of us. Not all, but many of us. Well, you know uh, how big of a spread that would have been if Florida State had been playing? I don't get just because your company is in cahoots with a gambling company, don't tell me that I'm supposed to go, oh, yeah, that's fine, put Alabama in, because the, the number will be a point or a point and a half as opposed to double digits in Vegas. That crap is even being brought up. Yeah, I okay. I don't that think that's what garbage. pushed it over
2: the pie. Uh, I don't no, think that's what pushed garbage. it over the goal line though. Yeah,
3: I but it's garbage and it's even being brought up.
2: Understood. I, I, there's a lot, lot of truth being brought up. There's a lot of truth in everything you just said. I still think it's the Jordan Travis factor is the big. And sure. people can argue. Well, you shouldn't judge what they're going to be like with a backup quarterback. But we saw two games of it, and it's hard to erase uh-uh. that from your memory. Uh-uh. I mean, if me, the committee's me. if the committee's doing their job. They had to watch some of that Florida game, if not all. They had, should have watched every second of the Louisville game, uh, and and that to me is what pushed it over. The, I don't disagree with, with with most of what you said, and like you like you said, I wouldn't have had a problem with Florida State. You don't have a major problem. You have a major no. problem with the process and the coverage. Exactly, and, and I always I have. always I, have. And thankfully, and of, we'll get to twelve. You lack, and I can rejoice that at least.
3: Yeah, and the lack of coverage on a daily basis on cable television. Is absurd. It's a shame. Absolutely absurd. The second most popular sport in America.
2: Yeah, and the ratings and, back and that up.
3: Yeah, and you're enduring Travis Kelsey having a hangnail and Tom Brady's last uh, foray with uh, whatever model mm-hmm. on a daily basis on these damn talk shows. Okay. And 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 it. an oh, by the way, let's make up a tournament in the middle yeah. of the NBA season <laughs> so we can get somebody to watch a godforsaken regular season NBA game. All uh, right, like like we really give a a rat's patoot. Okay, we don't, and the ratings prove that during the regular season. And yet, that's all that's discussed. Okay, I, I'm uh, the with you on that. Embrace debate has been the worst thing that's happened to cable television. Oh, I don't know since um, uh, uh, the Manhattan Channel got pushed on the wrong button and made it to True Cable in in in, in New York one night. Wow, and um, and 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 children and and, and women throughout the. Uh, Gotham City were uh, amazed and annoyed and, and it was just terrible <laughs> that's I, what, I remember it happened in the 80s that's the
2: one awesome. reference that went over my head <laughs> <laughs> final 30 seconds before we got to let you out of here I, I do want to mention because you you and I have talked about this before on other platforms but we're in Atlanta yeah, we're on yeah. 680 the fan the home of the Braves right. you were part of the coverage in in a gr- very special time frame in the mid-90s just in, in 30 seconds if you can reflect a little bit on that
3: Oh, God. My memories of Ernie Sr. and getting to work Braves games. I had just left ESPN. I was working those Jefferson Pollitt, Raycom, SEC uh-huh. games. And um, what, what a great opportunity. I was doing Hawks games and the Braves games uh, for Sports South back then. And to, to work not only with Ernie, but to be around the batting cages with uh, with Skip and Don and and the professor, Pete Van Weeren and um, Joe Simpson. What a thrill that was. And... You know that was um, that was Chipper's rookie year '94. Okay, and uh, to think back to Smoltz and Glavin and be on road trips with them, um, and and be on the bus going over there with uh, uh, with the Braves and and Bobby Cox and and the time spent with John Sherholtz's version of the Atlanta Braves was just a real thrill and an honor. And you know I was humbled to work alongside Ernie, the most likable guy on the planet, and. And Mike, I learned so much about just enjoying the moment by being with with Ernie. And by the way, if you if you're too young to remember Ernie Johnson Sr., just his son is almost a, a complete replica of his dad, and we all know and love Ernie Junior. Yeah, so class of it was a great time in my career all the
2: way. Yeah, yeah. another another uh, common uh, thing we share is getting to work with the great Don Sutton, the late Don Sutton, the Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, as well tim always appreciate uh your thoughts uh the give and take it's uh it's great to have it an intelligent discussion on it and uh we know we can uh, watch your great work again on fox throughout uh, the basketball season as well as football we'll talk to you you soon my uh, friend
3: you got it bill nova and ucla on saturday with jimmy jackson prime time if you have a chance
2: very nice very nice timmy thank you so much man you bet mike you got it Tim Brando, Uh, again, we we go back a ways, and I've always appreciated his passion for the sport. I don't think uh, there's anybody that loves it more than Timmy B. We'll take a timeout. We'll talk some Georgia football news. Oh, yeah, they got a basketball game against Georgia Tech. Remember when that game was ultra relevant? I think it might be getting back there. We'll talk about it on the other side. at 680 The Fan, the Buck Baloo Show.
0: Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words. It's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com John. First Horizon Bank member FDIC.
2: Back with you on the one-hour extravaganza that is the Buck Baloo show. Mike Morgan filling in today and the rest of this week. Our thanks again to Timmy B., Tim Brando joining us. Brought to you by locally owned and operated Ace Hardware. Find your neighborhood store, acehardware.com. It is time for the Bulldog Roundtable.
1: Fan is proud to be the official sports talk station of the dogs. And it's time for Bulldog Roundtable with Buck Balloon. 25-20, 15, 10, 45. Get in there! Touchdown! Bulldog Roundtable is proudly presented by Georgia's own credit union. Georgia Pack and Load, Finley Roofing, and by attorney Ken Nugent. And that's gonna be the ballgame. Georgia will win this ballgame only on the fan. 680 and 937 FM.
2: If you have been following college football the last couple of years, you know now we are into full-fledged free agency. That's what it is. It is virtually not different than NFL free agency, other than the fact that the players don't have to honor contracts like you do in the NFL. You just sign, get some NIL money, and then do whatever the heck you want if you're unhappy or somebody else offers you an extra hundred grand or so. The going rate, and you're never going to get an official figure on this, because unlike the NFL, these rates uh, and numbers aren't published. They're not... You don't have to release them. But if you go by estimates that are reported, just say around the SEC, for example, the going rate for a starting quarterback, it's seven figures. I mean, that's like at the poker table, you got to ante up to play the hand. If you're not getting into the million-plus area, you're probably not getting uh, one of the better SEC quarterbacks out there. And if you're a Mark Vandegrift, there's certainly going to be a former five-star guy Uh, a lot of money out on the table for you. I'm not saying it's a pure money grab like it often is. Clearly, there's a glut of supremely talented arms in Athens. That's just kind of become the norm under Kirby. And the other factor, of course, is whether or not one Carson Beck is coming back. Now, I heard the guys this morning talking about there's a good chance they feel like he will. uh, And I wouldn't be surprised if he does. I did, out of of pure curiosity, look at pro football the Pro Football Forum's mock draft. And you can find, I mean, a million different of these. One's not better than the other, per se. But this is just one opinion here. Uh, Caleb Williams, one. Drake May, two. Bo Nicks, three. Jaden Daniels, four. Michael Penix, five. Everybody knows if you've at all college football at all this season, you know who they are. You probably know number six, too. Shador Sanders of Colorado, right now, number six. Number seven on this big board. Is Carson Beck. Now, that, according to this, would, you know, depending on how many quarterbacks go, and we know the quarterback is the most highly coveted position in the draft more often than not. Number 45. It says Beck has been one of the class's biggest risers since summer scouting, taking over as Georgia's starting quarterback for the first time in 2023. He's gained more and more confidence as the season has progressed. He doesn't possess elite arm talent, but throughout the regular season, he became one of the most accurate passers in the country and his recognition and anticipation of defenses continues to improve. That's a second-round second grade. Um, now, there's a big difference financially between first-round grades and second-round grades. Again, if it's all about the money, Carson Beck could certainly come back another year and add his stock. I, mean, I don't think we've seen the best out of Carson Beck. I think it took him a few games to really get it going. I I circled the second half of the Auburn game. From that point on, I thought Carson Beck was one of the best pure passers in college football. And he's not a statue back there either. He can move. He's got what we call pocket mobility. He's not going to be a guy that's running all over the field for first downs, but he's not uh, lacking foot speed either. He's quick enough, as they say. So Carson Beck... If he does come back, obviously that is a win for Georgia. That is a win for Kirby to have that kind of continuity. You're going to lose some key guys like a Brock Bowers on that offense. Uh, But if he did decide to go, projections uh, projections are going to vary time and time again between now and the draft in April. But there's just one man's opinion. Seventh ahead of J.J. McCarthy, eight. Quinn Ewers of Texas 9, who also has a tough decision to make. And Riley Leonard of Duke 10. If Riley Leonard stayed healthy, I think he'd be much higher. But unfortunately for him and for Duke football, he had the big knee injury. Um, before we get to the uh, the final take to get you out of here, which also is Bulldog related, I do want to remind everybody it's the final 680 The Fan, Harris Cherokee Casino, Tailgate Central, Dirty Bird, Tailgate of the Season. Join us one more Sunday this Sunday for a free tailgate from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., at the corner of Marietta Street and Centennial Olympic Park Drive for another Dirty Bird tailgate. Download your free tailgate ticket now at 680thefan.com slash central, and join us for another party in the Fan Tailgate Series. You must be 21 or older with proper ID to enter. Huge thanks to Harris Cherokee Casino and Resorts, Flying Biscuit Cafe, Larceny Bourbon, Ryobi Power Tools, The Long Drink, Corona, Deep Eddie Vodka, Batteries Plus, the Georgia Hemp Company, Body Armor Flesh, the Lemon Street Classic High School Basketball Tournament, as well. And speaking of basketball, I'll leave you on this. As someone who broadcasts a lot of college basketball games, in addition to, to football and baseball, et cetera, Georgia Georgia Tech is tonight, and I'm glad uh, the guys in the morning gave it some run. I'm sure I'm sure Cellini and Domino will. I'm sure Chuck and Chernoff will. I get it. It's it's not going to get a ton of play. College basketball has it, a niche. It's this happens at least. I think at a better point on the schedule not during the football regular season but Damon Stodemeyer and Mike White I think are the right guys to make these two programs relevant again it is inexcusable for Georgia Georgia Tech to not be good in the sport of college basketball with the amount of high school talent that comes out of Atlanta alone so give it a watch both teams put on a show I think Georgia could pull off the victory at home. I think they're five-point favorites. Is that right for you uh, betting folks out there? Yeah, I think Mike White is going to do good things in Athens, which unfortunately have not been done in quite some time. That's about it for us, right? For Derek Thomas, for the road dog. I didn't go over. I promise you we'd cram everything in the 40-something minutes of great content here on the mighty luck show. Chalini and Domino is coming up next. Keep it locked to six eighty. the fan. Thank you so much, and we'll see you tomorrow.